Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. What's new in true crime? Actually, I do have a funny, not funny story, and it's not really true crime, but there is a death involved that I want to share with you. Okay. So I read this article. Oh my God, it's gross. Um, This woman in Texas is in her apartment, and she is the ground floor apartment, Uh and on one of these hot nights, she wakes up to some dripping, like something dripping on her. And she just thought, oh, a storm just passed. There must be some leaking from the upstairs bathroom or, you know, upstairs Uh something. She turns on the lights. Oh, no. Her room is covered in blood. Nope. She wakes up in a pool of blood. Oh, my God. This is like that Kaylee Cuoco thing. It's disgusting. Um, The flight attendant? Yes. Yes. So there is blood coming through her ceiling fan. And it's getting spread across the room because oh, it's... Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because it's being fanned all over the oh. room. So her room is a straight-up Dexter room. And so she's freaking out. She's obviously traumatized. She calls the cops. The cops figure out that it's her upstairs neighbor who died of natural causes some days before. And it was his natural decomposition and fluids that were coming through the floor oh my god oh my god now i don't want to live in an apartment anymore it is at least you live upstairs but holy i have two floors above me ew ew okay but it was so gross and there's pictures of this oh god um but oh god there's pictures of it there's pictures of it i'll share them with you in a bit so she they had a hazmat team come in because obviously bodily fluids blood etc and her apartment complex only paid for her to be in a hotel for two days, and they wouldn't relocate her. So now she's, of course, suing the apartment complex. I would hope so. And then she, well, she's only suing them because, she's A, like, they were inconsiderate, and they wouldn't pay for more. The apartment's like, sorry, this isn't written into your contract, ma'am. Right. And then, I think this is very logical. She just asked for one doctor visit to have a blood test done on her because she doesn't know what pathogens were being carried by that person. That's fair. And they wouldn't pay for that either. One doctor visit, a couple hundred bucks, tops 250 yeah. And a couple days more in the hotel just so she can, like, decompress and, like, get her mind together again because you just woke up to a bloody scene. Oh, my God. So... She, yeah, of course she's now suing them. So I completely understand because everything in her room was destroyed. They wouldn't um, repay for any of that. Like, they wouldn't cover any of and that. And I imagine so that's they... not on renter's insurance. Like, I don't, oh. They can't, like, this is the kind of stuff that you just don't prepare <laughs> They're for. They're like, it's not in your policy because who could have ever thought this happened? Oh, God. So, yeah, um, I saw that in the news and I was like, oh, that's not true crime related, but there's a, there's enough blood and guts that I can discuss this with you guys. Can you imagine waking no. up to that? No, oh. I don't know how you recover from that. Oof. Poor lady. Um, so, without further ado, let's talk about the case today. I'm actually yes. really, really excited to tell you about it. Yes, I would like to know what you're covering. Okay, so I am covering the murders of Carly Pierce Stevenson and Candelise Pierce. This is also known as the bodies in the suitcase case. Oh, no, it's, yes. And this is an Australian case. Oh, 
what's so, up, Down Under? I know. So I got to listen to a couple podcasts of uh, new to me, like Crime Down Under. I've been doing that a lot while listening to just to get different perspectives. But um, it was fun to listen to Australian podcasts for a bit um, and get their stories about this, especially because it was like a hometown thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like cases that we've covered here that are closer to home, it's different to hear that perspective of either how they saw it unfolding mm-hmm. or how they saw the aftermath. That's not always reported in international news, mm-hmm. but just things that, you know, people after the trial or after the bodies were discovered, just the repercussions that it had locally more yeah. than internationally. All right, so um, I did write this down because I went down a deep hole and there's a lot of dates involved. So if you hear page flipping, sorry. Okay, Carly Pierce Stevenson, um, she was born in 1988 in Alice Springs. And then at the age of 18 years old, she had her daughter, Candelise Pierce. Uh, I'm going to spell Candelise. It's a very pretty name. And I think I'm pronouncing it right, but it's K-H-A-N-D-A-L-Y-C-E. A lot of family, friends, people that knew the baby uh, would call her Candles. That's cute. Yeah, super cute. So, unfortunately, somewhere um, when Candelise or Candles was a young child, Carly and Candelise's father separated. Um, not too much to tell about Carly's life, other than she was born and raised in Alice Springs. Candelise was also born in Can- in Alice Springs. So soon after Carly and her ex-husband separated, she started seeing and hanging out in about early 2008. So Candelise was about two years old with this guy named Daniel James Holdem. I apologize. They, my notes, sometimes I put James, sometimes I put Holdem, um... Or Daniel, but um, Daniel James Holdem, if you Google him, he comes up a lot as James Holdem. I guess he used that a lot. He also had a couple aliases. Okay. So, That's always a bad sign. Yeah. So he had a rough childhood. Later we know when he says that he was physically abused a lot, that his father was an aggressive drunk, that he had issues with alcoholism and drug abuse himself. Um, but overall... He had a very sordid criminal past before meeting Carly and Candelise. So in 1999, he snuck into a woman's room and attempted to suffocate her with a pillow and duct tape. He was sentenced for this in 2000. He served about a year. In 2001, he violated his restraining order against another woman and continued to stalk her. And on one occasion followed her to her child's daycare, and used his car to block her car in so she couldn't leave. I don't know if he got jail time for that. So by early 2000s, or mid-2000s, he started seeing a woman named Hazel Passmore. They started dating, and they also, they they used drugs together, primarily like meth. And on one evening, they were driving together, with him driving, Hazel in the front passenger seat, and Hazel's three kids from a previous marriage in the back seat. and While they were high? While they were high. And Hazel later said that she had asked him to pull over because he was beginning to drift off the road because he scary. was 
fallen asleep or he was high. Unfortunately, he veered off the road. And they rolled the car five times. Two of the kids were ejected. Oh, no. One was critically injured. Apparently the baby. His name is unknown. A truck driver stopped by at the scene of the accident and checked on the two kids that had been ejected for a pulse. And unfortunately, they were passed. They had passed away at the scene. But he still called for emergency services because the other kid was still alive, albeit really injured. And also for Daniel and for Hazel. Hazel's leg was amputated as a result of this accident. Oh, my gosh. And she had to remain in the hospital for two months due to her injuries. Yeah. So because she was in the hospital for so long, like recovery and surgeries and whatnot, it is believed, based on her account, that Daniel and Carly started showing up together to visit her while she was in the hospital. And according to her, this is when she noticed that they started getting chummier and chummier. And... Sorry, is Carly her friend? Not that I know of. It doesn't say that they were friends. So. Carly was kind of being like the other woman. Yeah, I was going to say, so he shows up with a random other woman and she's like, oh, they're starting to get chummy. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, why are you bringing another random woman in to visit me? So, um, I'm sure they probably knew of each other. Probably like a mutual friend type of situation, but because she had been in the hospital for so long, the funeral for her two kids had to be postponed until, of course, she was out of the hospital. She was released from the hospital. She was wheelchair bound at this point because she had lost the full leg. And two days after the funerals happened in late November 2008, Holden and Carly took Candelise and essentially ran away together. They went and lived with one of Daniel's family friends. Her name was Christine. While they were living with Christine a couple hours away, they started looking for jobs. And again, this is like early November. By December 14th, this, I'm, I'm getting there. It's fast. So December 14th, 2008, Daniel and Carly had an argument, and at 2.30 in the morning, so now on the 15th of December, Holden and Carly got in the car at about 2.30 a.m. and started driving. He got back to the house about 10 hours later, so around noon, without Carly. They didn't take Candelise with him, so he just came back by himself. And he told Christine that they had continued arguing And she had asked him to drop her off at the bus station that she was going back to family and left Candelise behind at Christine's home. And Christine said, well, why would she leave candles behind? That's weird. And he said, well, you don't understand. She's just one of, she doesn't care. She just wanted to leave and she just asked me to take candles to her grandma's house. So he painted her as a deadbeat mom type thing? Yeah, okay. So, on the 19th of December, so four days later, he took off with Candelise, and he traded Carly's car at a dealership, so he got a completely different car. He then stopped at a grocery store where he had bought some hygiene products like soap or body wash, and also along with his, what seemed like normal purchases, he bought some gray duct tape. A couple days later, he asked Hazel to get back together with him. 
she took him back. Oh, God. Okay. So this is when him and Hazel started stealing Carly's identity. I, okay. So you date a man who ultimately results in the death of your two children, plus you losing a limb. Yep. And you get back together with him so you guys can go on a crime spree? Yep. No doubts, no questions. Let's go. There truly is a dumbest woman on the planet. Yeah. And she is not Anna Duggar. <laughs> not yeah. today. So by September 4th, 2009, a lot of September dates on this, which is <laughs> my entire family's birthdays. Um, Colleen, Carly's mom, contacted local authorities because she had concerns about Carly and her granddaughter, Candelise, and said that she had not been having constant contact with Carly like she usually have. And she filed a missing persons report. This was on the 4th of September. On the 7th of September, the police spoke to Holdem. And he said that he had last talked to her on February 2000, or sorry, on February 9th, 2009. And then the police went and inquired to her credit union about her recent transactions. And about a week prior to them inquiring, there had been some withdrawals made from a local ATM. The police, somehow, thought this was proof of life. So then on the 10th of September, Colleen received a text from Carly's phone saying that they were okay and that they just didn't want to be found. Why Police again took this along with the credit union's records as a sign of life and closed the missing person's report. Oh my god. How many times have we seen this <sighs> happen with the cell phone thing? I know. Plenty to know that no, I need I need FaceTime at this point. Truly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, this was in um, 2009. Her social security number kept being used, or her identification number, what it's called in, in Australia. And we now know that Hazel, easily identified by her missing limb and being wheelchair-bound, there is CCTV records showing that she had gone into Centrelink Social Services, what we know here, or DHS, to continue the interviews to get public assistance. She was getting rental assistance, continued to get the child support under Carly's name, and they continued making withdrawals from the bank accounts. In total, $72,000 were fraudulently taken out because they were monies given to Carly and Candelise. $72,000. On another occasion, Hazel found something that belonged to Carly in the trunk of Holdem's car. And she thought that he was still sneaking around and seeing Carly. So she confronted him about it. At this point, in order for her to believe him, he confessed to her that he had killed both of them. She stayed with him. And this was news to her? Yeah. She thought that they had just separated. He didn't know that he had actually gone through with killing them. And that that's why they were not no longer in the picture. She sounds like a really good person. So in August 29th, 2010, 
hikers found skeletal remains in the Belangla Forest. Now, the Belangla Forest... How many times did you have to practice saying that? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) (laughs) I will cover this at one point because it almost... I saw a fork in the road. I was like, nope, can't go down that road. I got to stay, stay true. Um, Focus. Stay true. Um, so the Belangla Forest apparently was a dumping grounds for a very infamous serial killer in Australia. That's called the backpacker murderer. Because that's where he dumped like somewhere like 10 to 20. I don't know exactly the number because, again, I, I stayed true on this case. But they initially thought, the police, the authorities, thought that these skeletal remains were, were just another of, victim yeah. of this murderer called Ivan Milot, which... Oh, I know who that is. You do? Yes. Okay, see, yes, I yes, yes. it didn't ring any bells for me. So the forensics were able to get an age range based on the bones. Yeah. Um, and they, the remains came to be known in the media as the Angel of the Belanglo Forest, that's because there was a t-shirt found near her that said angelic on it. And a couple different things happened here. So based on her age range and how long they think the body had been there, along with the make of the t-shirt and like the trend on it, they were able to deduct that while her body had been dumped, Ivan Milot was already in jail. So it couldn't have been one of his victims. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So they were only able to get an age range. So they had somewhere between like 16 and 20 on her because they were able to rule out that it wasn't Milot's victim, that it wasn't a backpacker murderer situation. Her case kind of began to go cold. Okay. Okay. So then on... The 14th of July, 2015, the remains of a child were found in a suitcase on the side of a road. There was no soft tissue. It was skeletal remains again, but inside the the suitcase. Um, Her mouth was gagged with dish rags and closed with duct tape. They, her head was covered in... I believe everything that I read again because this was an Australian case said nappy. That to me means diaper, but it could also just be like a burping cloth or like a uh, reusable diaper type rag. Okay. So it says nappy, but also a towel around her skull and also a towel a towel on her lower part. In the suitcase, there was also a quilt. And a pink dress. The police immediately released the pictures of the quilt along with the pink dress trying to get help from the public, trying to identify this child. So the suitcase was found 700 miles away, or 1,100 kilometers, from the Belangla Forest. Mm -hmm. So these two cases were initially not linked together. Yeah. Okay. Okay? Because 700 miles is a considerable distance. That is a huge, huge distance. It must be like an entirely different jurisdiction. So, yeah. Investigating that. So they didn't link these two together. And mind you, at this point, there is no active missing persons report. Because remember, they had called it off a couple days after 
her mom tried filing a missing persons anyway. report. So in October of 2016, someone called into Crime Stoppers and told them about the 2009 case that had been closed, the missing persons report. Is Crime Stoppers international? I, you know what? It might have just been their version of Crime Stoppers. I'm not sure. Is Crime Stoppers like a blanket term to describe like, like anyone a line? who fights crime. Maybe could be like all Crime Stoppers in probably. Probably just a tip line, a general tip line type of thing. Yeah, all right. Well, so I'll ponder that a little bit. There was some family that came forward because, remember, they had put out pictures of the quilt and the pink dress, and the family was very instrumental in this part. Yeah. They brought forward pictures with Candelise in the picture with the quilt in it as well, identifying the very unique quilt. And then on top of that, another family member brought forward a picture of Candelise wearing the exact same pink dress that was found in the suitcase mm-hmm. with her. So then with that evidence in hand, they went ahead and did a DNA test and compared it to the remains of the Bilingual Forest. Mind you, these were found five years apart. Yeah. But they were obviously able to link them together and find out, confirm that it was Carly and Candelise. Okay. It was really easy to track down. Hold them. Because he was already in jail Mm. for something different. He had been sentenced to jail for four years because he sexually assaulted an eight-year-old. Oh, he's just a stand-up guy all around. Yeah. Now, is What's-Her-Face still dating him at this point? Yes. Wow, she's just truly the worst. So, um, he was already in prison. And so they kind of had this captive audience of like, hey, dude, tell us what's going on. You know, yeah. you're the last person to know to see her alive and see Candles alive. And he denied everything vehemently. He just said, not me. Don't know what you're talking about. She just wanted to be left alone. She just kind of disappeared. And then they executed some search warrants and they were able to triangulate his phone back to the Belangla Forest around the same time that Carly's body was suspected to have been dumped there. Oh, God. Okay. Trigger warning. And, and I say that uh, truly because it gets really graphic. Okay. okay. Um, trigger warning, um, sexual abuse, and minors. Oui. Okay. They had found an SD card. So a camera phone no. card. One of the first pictures that they saw were of school fragments on the side of the road from when he had that 2008 accident. So while the accident happened, he took out his camera and took took a picture of one of the kids' skull fragments on the side of the road. Oh, he's just the worst. He's so dumb. So that is sick. Just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. <sighs> and then they found pictures that were taken the night that Carly died. Uh-huh. Of them at the Belangla Forest. Uh-huh. One of the pictures is of him using a whiskey bottle to penetrate Oh, her. no. And he took pictures of that. Oh, God. Another one is... Is of him penetrating her up to his forearm. 
<laughs> the last picture was of a naked Carly, presumably lifeless on the ground. <gasps> now, what a monster. Yeah. Oh my God. They also found a list that Holdem had written with what seems to have been a list of rape slash sexual abuse victims that had their age, sometimes had a name, and whether or not it was forced or consensual. This included Candles's name. So oh. it was never proven whether or not this list was of victims or fantasies. Some people believe it was a list of like fantasies of like this person it would be forced this person would be consensual their age um no other victims have been found no i doubt it too um but they never proved the list of victims either so i'm so bothered by all of this yeah it was like 20 on the list horrendous so in 2018 two weeks before he was set to have trial he pleaded guilty to both charges, and he received two life sentences. And when I say um, listening to Australian podcasts and seeing how it affected them locally, this was, I mean, this is already a heartbreaking, uh, gruesome case, you know, but to the podcasters that I listened to on this, you could really tell that it affected them. One podcaster just straight broke down because she saw this unfolding. Yeah. You know, she saw a mother and a daughter being discarded like trash on the side of the road, quite literally. So she, you know, she shared her sentiments that when the life sentences were given, that there was a sense of relief, a sense of justice has been served. Yeah. But there's really not. Anything, obviously, that you can do to bring these people back, but at least the monster is off the streets. Um, He has written some letters from since the time being in prison uh, where he says that... Is he alive today? Yeah. He says that having a rough childhood is what led him to do something like this and that Hazel blaming him and never letting him process the death of the kids because of the car accident like blaming him for it which who else could she blame i mean although if she got in her car too but he felt like there was so much guilt there that it just sent him in a downward spiral with drugs and alcohol that Um, it led him to do something like this so he's the one that took pictures of the car accident scene i know i know he's a sick bastard Honestly, this is the kind of stuff that makes me like feel like chemical castration should still be a thing. God. Yeah, it's um it's a it's a it's a gruesome case. Um they they believe that Candelise's murder was sexually motivated. The judge had his his thoughts on this and he had a whole speech prepared and gave it to him when he was bringing down sentencing. I won't read it to you guys, but we'll I'll post it um on the group page. It, it goes to show just how bad this case is. And, like, I don't know. I think the judge brought down a good sentence. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Heavy. 
Yeah, I feel like I need to do deep breathing or something. That was, yeah. I think, like, the photo thing really just. Oh my God. Whole other level. That. Whole other level. Like, that's just, mm-hmm. that's horrible. Yeah. See, this is the kind of stuff that I'm like, I feel like this is such a gray area, but I'm like, it, 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 for me personally, it's a gray area. But I, you could convince me, you could convince me for somebody like this. I'd be like, tell me where the switch is. Yeah. I'll flip it. Yeah. Like, I just, oh, that's just. I'll show you pictures of, of Carly and Candelise, just sweet looking girls. I mean, Candelise was a baby. Mm. She was two, three years old, tops. And, I mean, neither of them really had a fighting chance. Can you imagine? Carly in the woods. Even, I'm sure, if she was screaming. Um, So, Carly's cause of death, um, based on her, you know, postmortem, based on her injuries, uh, knee to the throat, or foot to the throat. I'm sorry, there was a picture of him, too, with with his foot on her throat. Oh, and that's what they ruled her cause yeah. of death. Wow, he's like just a, truly the worst. With Candelise, based on the rags, based on, you know, no other, like, fractures or anything on her skeletal remains, they're thinking suffocation. I have no words. No, it's awful. It's an awful, awful case. That's one of the worst ones you've done in a while. Yeah. Like, I think that was probably the worst one since, like, Bill Bonin. Yeah, it was a bad one. Who somebody asked me recently? Oh, my coworker Bianca. She asked me to recently do um, the Candyman, and I was like, "Nope, still recovering from Bill Bonin. <laughs> Won't be doing that anytime soon. Thank you so much." Although but. that's like the epitome of stranger danger, but yeah, truly. All right. So, <sighs> if there's any other cases that you'd like us to cover that are not U.S. based, just because I want to hear other perspectives of just how things go down or just how the police work. It's really interesting. I like to hear it. Um, where can they write us, Mackenzie? Um, you can submit those things to several different places, as well as your What the Florida's, because I actually got this one from an Instagram DM. Yeah. So this one came from Karen. Hello, Karen. Thank you so hey, much Karen. for sending this in. And it is titled, Florida Man Arrested for Masturbating with a Pickle on Private Property. <laughs> God. You're going to get a real palate cleanser here. Oh, shoot. Why are you not loading? Hold on. Oh, no. Uh, open here. Oh no, it's not loading. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Otherwise I'll just look up the story itself. (laughs) The URL is really funny too. Uh, URL is like New York, or it says one Florida man found himself in a pickle. (laughs) 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 Well, actually he was arrested for masturbating on private property, which included inserting a pickle. The smoking gun reports. <laughs> Eric Detige, 47, of Tampa, was charged Sunday with exposure of sexual organs for the unappetizing display, according to the arrest affidavit. The arresting officer was, at the time, responding to reports of a suspicious person. He ultimately found Detige on private premises, laying flat on his back, no pants or undergarments on, <laughs> undergarments on his bottom half, and had his penis in one hand and a large uneaten pickle in his other (laughs) hand and was using the pickle to penetrate himself (gasps) while he (laughs) I can't even get... (laughs) What? Why a pickle? That's my question. Oh my god. I just have no words. That is maybe like 
one of the most horrible, best what the Florida's I've awful. ever seen. He was caught in a pickle. <laughs> God, that's a headline. This had a really good sense of humor. Yeah. That's so funny. Thanks for the story, Karen. Thanks, Karen. (laughs) She, I literally was like, the perfect, she sent it to me today. And I was like, perfect timing because we're recording tonight. And she was like, oh God, I'm sorry that you even have to read it. Have fun retelling it. So now she's going to hear how I barely made it through. (laughs) So if you have what the floor does that you would like to send to us. You can do so by going to our Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. You can email us a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook stranger danger colon a true crime podcast or the group colon murder lovers. You could also visit us on Patreon and become a murder lover and go to patreon.com forward slash stranger danger podcast. And if you haven't done so already, go leave us a review on iTunes. We'd really, really appreciate it. Also, we are going to be doing a special episode over on the Patreon. So if you are not a Patreon, now is a really good time to join because there will be like a little mini episode over there for you guys. Yep. Cool. Cool. Thank you so much, everybody. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. Stick around to hear more unedited pre-show chats. Here we go, one more time, everybody's feeling fine, here we go now. Yes, 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 here we go. NSYNC has got the flow. NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? Backstreet Boys. Really? Yeah. I used to always have a hard time answering this, but now I'm definitely way more NSYNC. Hmm. No, I was always Backstreet Boys. AJ was my dude. See, that's how I felt about Nick Carter, but then, like, there was the whole mm, Paris Hilton thing, and he's yeah. just kind of, like, turned out kind of scummy. But then you so, got JT out of it. For NSYNC? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, like, my heart was always with Lance Bass, and then, oh. obviously, he has no interest in anyone like myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little devastating, I'm not going to lie. I follow him on TikTok now, <laughs> and he knows, like, dance routines from when they were, uh, um, on in the, the band. band, and it just makes me really happy. <sighs> Calls himself Gunkle Lance. Gunkle. Um, anything else? Um, oh, if you guys have not seen Cruel Summer on Hulu, it's a series. Um, it's not done yet, but it's a show that takes place over three different summers oh my mom told me to watch this yeah it has the accounts of uh, of different people or the same people throughout three different summers about something tragic that happened i won't give you spoilers but uh for right now totally recommend cruel summer i think it's hulu um son of sam on netflix did not get our seal of oh approval. yeah let's talk about that for a second mm, i don't have there like you a, go we're done yeah, <laughs> i don't have a lot to say about it because i kind of gave up on it in episode two episode one i was in it yeah episode no i told two, you two i turned it on i was like all right i'll give this a shot and started going and then i got busy for 40 minutes and i was like oh still on I'm yeah so bored i recommended it to my old boss who is also into true crime him and i like always swap like what to watch type thing um, and so I told him to watch it when I was still on episode one and he later on was like, so did you finish it? And I was like, no. And he was like, I mean, and he kind of alluded to the fact that it wasn't that interesting. Although he's like kind of a commitment type dude. Like once he's in it, he's Go in all it to the, the way end. Through it. Yeah. Um, and he kind of alluded to like that it wasn't going to be that great or whatever. And sure enough, he was right. And then I felt bad for recommending it to him. You know, the one thing that, I, that did stick out on this, um, and we haven't covered Son of Sam. No, we've no. not. 
But we, something that was totally, I was just like, oh yeah, this is what I like about true crime and just, you know, when things are covered, that little things like this come out. The fact that women were so terrified that there was a specific type of woman and hairstyle that mm-hmm. all his victims were, that it was this whole thing that women were getting shorter haircuts, different hair color, um, to not be victims. They, that was so, kind of like what happened with Ted Bundy, as women started right. parting their hair differently. Exactly. And like doing things different so they didn't have brown hair parted down the middle mm-hmm. like long, very specific style. So then, you know, unknown to maybe other women or other people, um, there's a cultural shift that happens because eventually, you know, that becomes the style. And then, you know, if you don't know about the Son of Sam or if you don't know about, you know, Ted Bundy, it could be things that the outside world just views as a trend change, but they don't Mm -hmm. know what the reason behind it is. So I just thought that was intriguing that they were able to pinpoint this trend change in women changing their hair color as well as their haircuts yeah just so they wouldn't be victims so that i just thought that was interesting yeah um but recommend episode one not the rest that's it <laughs>